Hello, everyone. Welcome back to All Kings Considered. I'm Kyle Anderson. Dan Casey is on vacation at Heron Hall this week and will not be joining us. Uh, to this week, we're, of course, bringing you the Besteros of the Westeros and our weekly breakdown of House of the Dragon. Just like they recast Rhaenyra and Alicent, we did the same with Dan Casey. Just kidding. It's me. Uh, he'll be back next week, maybe. We don't know. Uh, this week's Hot D was full of both fire and blood, like the book on which it was based. Before we get into it, allow me to introduce the rest of our small council. First up, she is an actress, a host, a dungeon master extraordinaire, and a musician. Her new album, Behold Her Dreams, is available now, wherever fine music is streamed. Please welcome back Amy Vorpal. Hello, Amy. Hi! Good to see you, Kyle. You said it. You, you said it. Dan's on vacation at Heron Hall, and um, yeah, he he might not be returning, as it turns out. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I have no news about Heron Hall, so I don't know how it's yeah. going over there. But yeah, Smoky. Uh, Smoky. Yeah, of course. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Of yeah, course. we'll get into that. Uh, Amy, question for you: yes. Who who would you like to play you? in a 10 year time skip? Kyle, so glad you asked. That's an easy question to answer as long <laughs> as I get three. It is Olivia Coleman, Tony Collette, and Tilda Swinton. All playing uh, you at the same time? A hydra of delightful, <laughs> talented women, yes. <laughs> It'll be like that night from uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where yes. there's just three of them, they all talk at the same time, yeah. That's ideal. And they argue about eating cookies or whatever they do. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? And how, and how cool they are. Like, look at Olivia Coleman, so cool. And Tilda Swinton would be like, you're so cool. And then they'd be like, yeah, but you're also so cool. It would, it would be great. <laughs> and they'd play a very large ukulele. Yes, they would. Yes. Uh, actually, I think their hands would all be still very dainty and feminine. I painted my nails. Well, very good, of course. <laughs> you got to get gussied up for all kings considered, obviously. <laughs> uh, joining us, as always, is Nerdist staff writer, maester, truther, and pretty much on the money about Kristen Cole, Michael Walsh. Welcome back, Mikey. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Amy. Glad to be here, as always. Hi, Mikey. Uh, we'll definitely get into some your your Kristen Cole conspiracy theories um, and how they <laughs> absolutely paid off. Um, but for the moment, uh, same question, who would play you 10 years in the future? I always want people to look like the person they're playing. So I'm going to go with Ryan Gosling. I think that's pretty much the only... <laughs> I don't. Why? Why are you both laughing? You don't have to laugh that hard. No, I, you do not laughing have at to laugh that hard. Oh, it's just because it's I don't movie. picture him usually with a beard. That's all. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that's it. That we're having a hard time. It's that part of it. <laughs> as long as you believe, that's all there is. All right, everybody. We're going to break the episode down in just a minute. But first, spoiler warning for anyone uh, who has not yet watched episode six of House of the Dragon. Why are you watching a wrap up show about it before you watch the episode? But hey, just just want to let you know, spoilers abound. Book spoilers will be kept to a minimum. Um, but if you haven't seen the episode, please leave now or forever. Hold your peace. Even. Tell you not now. All right, everyone. First topic, 
what was everyone's overall impression of episode six? We had ourselves a time jump. What did everybody think of the new characters and the aged up characters? Yeah, I liked it very, very much. I was very excited. I, I knew it was coming. Um, and then it just, it delivered in so many good ways. It just, it, it felt like a, I, I knew it was a time jump, but it also felt like the story just picked right up where we wanted it to. And, um, and we got, we got some new heroes, we got some new villains. And I, I will say the, the two ladies, like I'm loving, I'm loving the drama between the two ladies. And it is, it's also cool to see Rhaenyra. She was in such power when we last left her. Like she was so cool and happy and getting married and she had her uh, inheritance all, all squared up. And now it, it, we get to see like some actual weakness, even though she still refuses to show it. So that was really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mikey, what about you? What did you think overall? I think that this was the first time I had a problem with the time jump. I think that they, mm. I think they did a good job of conveying everything they needed to that happened over the last 10 years and where everybody kind of is now. But this was the first time I don't think that we can fill in the gaps ourselves. You know, before we see her, you know, someone's friend is secretly dating your father and then they marry them without you knowing. We don't, we don't need you to draw the line from there to resentment. We can we can fill those in. But in this case, you know, we're seeing really important relationships like Rhaenyra and Sir Harwin Breakbones, but we have no idea where it started from. We have nothing to connect to. And I think that hurt it a little bit. So did they do a good job giving us the information we need? Yes. But I think that it cost us such a big time jump without maybe a single episode in between to kind of show us a little bit more of these relationships it hurt us emotionally because when we get to the end, I don't know, it just didn't hit, I think, the way it should have. Yeah, I, I sort of agree. I think that they, you know, I loved the beginning of the episode where it was all kind of essentially done as one long take of her giving birth and then walking you know, through the, the halls um, to to the queen's chambers and everything like that. And it was like, okay, this is great, and, um, but so we're with these characters. But yeah, I'm, I completely agree. Like once you kind of, draw the connection that Sir Harwin is the the father spoilers of the three children. It's like, okay, well, when did they even meet? <laughs> like, because they had not met even a little bit, I don't think in the episodes prior, like Breakbones was barely in any of the previous episodes. And it sort of felt like to me anyway, that it was like, um, well, Hey, this character's been here. Let's make him an important character for an episode. But I know, I know he has a bigger role to play in the, uh, in the book, but uh, <laughs> not anymore. Spoiler. Uh, I think I'm, I'm okay, going to so, say because I disagree with you guys that I think that there's a little bit, there's a little bit, I, I mean, just because we're of the, you know, golden age of television, I don't know even what that scene would be. And I think sometimes when, when the writers, I mean, I, I would, I think I would have liked to see some romance. That's well, while that's true, a caveat is if it already has happened, like we've already seen a lot of Game of Thrones and we've already seen like last week I said that there was just a lot of exchanging glances. Like beyond that, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I just I just hesitate to think like, oh, was there was there going to be something that was like astoundingly different between Rhaenyra and, and Sir Harwin versus what she did with um Sir Kristen, you know, like, like, was there going to be something that was going to be mind blowing or was it just going to be like a kind of one off? And then, and, and then she actually like, I don't know, he, he approved his station for once instead of Sir Kristen going, but maybe we could get married, you know? And 
I don't like I, I, I think I think it I guess my point is they might have done us as the audience like a service going. I think they're smart enough, you know. Um, you know, I agree with that. Like, I definitely don't think that like nobody was lost. I don't think. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. Well, and also like, because there's so much, um, every episode skips so much and this one obviously skipped a huge amount. I sort of felt like the, the stuff with Sir Harwin, um, could have been set up better or, or maybe that I think some of these characters just should have had more screen time. Like, oh, yeah. cause we like him so much so quickly. Um, that it's like, oh, goodbye. Yeah, like, you're right. They did just kind of um, go. So they did just kind of go. But look at his cute little face, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, Game of Thrones gave us whole you know seasons or so to get to like people before they're horribly murdered, and yet this episode, this series is like one episode, maybe two, um, which will of course get into the 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 strong the the strong and Laris of the whole, thing. but. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about how the episode begins. We have um, basically finding out immediately that the animosity between Rhaenyra and Alicent is still going strong ten years later. Um, I, I gave my thoughts on I thought the the opening um, you know lengthy once one take was pretty cool. Um, what did you think of that, Mikey? I thought the opening was great. It did a lot of things that it needed to do. The first was it kind of showed us where the relationship is. Then it showed us where these two women are and how they've changed. You know, Rhaenyra is softened a little bit, I think, whereas Allison is hardened quite a bit. And we see that there is absolutely no uh, warmth between them anymore. But it also introduced the problem of Rhaenyra's children. It is an open secret that they are not fathered by Sir Lena. That is a big, big problem. You know, we saw on Game of Thrones what the realm thinks of bastards. You know, we saw how little anybody thought of Jon Snow until he kind of made a name for himself. These are people who are looked down on. Her oldest son is now in line for the Iron Throne. If there were going to be people who opposed her taking it, there are going to be almost uh, way more people that are going to oppose the idea of a bastard taking to the Iron Throne. And that is a, a huge issue for Rhaenyra and her own claim now going forward. So I think the opening of this episode did a great job because it really covered so much of what it needed to do and it did it in an effective way. Well, and the very fact that like we see just how many children she has had and how they all basically look exactly the same as Sir Harwin. Like um, we can get into this in a moment, but I, I a question for you, lore man. Uh, uh, my wife asked this, how come all of her children have dark hair, but all of, Viserys's children have blonde hair. So there aren't really any, uh, I don't think at this point, uh, or if there are, they're minor, you know, because the, the Targaryens did start to marry some people in the realm. So, you know, they're bringing in uh, people who have brown and black hair. But the fact that it's Rhaenyra and Laenor's kid, and they're both these Valerian blondes, uh, if not gray or white, the fact that she's just suddenly producing uh, black haired babies that stands out like a black haired thumb. You know, it really stands out. Whereas, <laughs> whereas we see, we know, we know Allison's kids are hers and she's producing kids that look like Targaryens. They look like their father. So there's no question where that's coming from. So his kids are definitely, uh, Allison's kids with him are definitely legitimate. Rhaenyra's kids. It's hard for anybody to see that and not know what's going on. It really does have to take a father who does not want to see the truth 
to be lying to himself or anybody to deny that those are, are not Lenor's kids. Yeah. It, it definitely says more about Viserys than it does anybody else that that has continued for as long as it has. Um, Amy, uh, back to you. What is the, you think of their relationship and how it has kind of changed in the, in the 10 years based on that opening sequence? Well, I just have to say that I just love what they did. It's like the it's it's just so metal on on like a on like a femme front to because because uh, the I'm sure y'all have made this joke before, but it's the inheritance, right? The hair color. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I've made that joke, but yeah, I have I, not. Let I the record show. I have not. I can't stop hearing it. <laughs> I can't stop. It's barely a joke, but I can't stop hearing. I'm like, no, it's the hair. The hair is defined. I mean, it was in Game of Thrones too with the Baratheons, but, um, but yeah, so with all the inheritance um, going on, but uh, that's one aspect. And then, and then you have what's actually happening in the scene, which is the most metal ever where Rhaenyra is, is just off her, off her pregnancy bed the trail of drips, which you see at the end, what she's left behind, which is just like dripping out onto the floor as she makes her way to just prevent literally anything from happening to her children and just saying, you can't stop spreading rumors. You can't spread rumors. Look, we're here together, you know? And she almost, she almost uh, crumbles three times. But I, I mean, I just can't imagine because uh, I, I can't imagine because it is, it is, you know, it's not birth nowadays. It's birth back then. Birth is at the forefront of this entire story of inwards and outwards, even back to Game of Thrones times. And, and it's metal. So it's, it's just, it's natural. She should, she absolutely should be resting, but she is standing up. She's walking, uh, like not, everything down there is busted open. And she's just like, <laughs> like, here's my, here's my baby. And then they use that again. They use that again um, as a so in the first scene it's 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 strength right everyone's like oh my god <laughs> like and no one doesn't see it right we see the entire court going oh hello <laughs> and then they use it later on though as a shameful thing when she starts lactating in a meeting to present a point so just the feminine part of it that no one's really shying away from but everything means something is just it was really really clutch for me. And, and let the record show that Amy said everything's busted up down there. Um, I think that's an important thing to keep. <laughs> sure but it put, is. Point she, point. Had a, she had an old timey bird. I mean, yeah. <laughs> She's climbing stairs. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was that moment where uh, 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 Lenore was like, let's just go back. I'll take you back. And, and she's like, you, you'll have to carry me. And it's like, oh boy. Like she is, yeah. she's going up or nowhere. Well, uh, yes. I thought was, yeah, it was a really great, I mean, it showed the resilience of the character and also like the determination, like you were saying. Um, and also just like how it, for me, it, it just showed how ridiculous this feud between the two ladies has gotten over the last 10 years. The fact that it, she, the queen immediately wants to see the baby like seconds after it's born and, uh, defiantly Rhaenyra marches through the whole thing just to, just to see her on a completely different level of the castle. I thought it was yeah. like um, pretty amazing. And it was really well shot too. So, I mean, there's that for you. Um, the whole thing, basically, lots is going on in this episode. But um, who do you think emerged as sort of the, uh, the front runner politically between Allison and Rhaenyra, Amy? Okay. I think... Okay, I mean, I I think I think the, the short answer is Alicent. 
um, we, we do see Rhaenyra kind of buckle, like that small council meeting that I'm talking about where she's lactating and, and, and she's like, hey, what if we wed? And, the, and Viserys is like, yes, look, we can all play nice. And um, not to mention, not to mention the, the courtyard um, battle between Sir Criston and Sir Harwin going, you know, who are you protecting? Oh, the, oh, the sons. And or, or if it was your son, you might stand up and then the fight happens. And it's, it's just like, there's just no, there's just no. And then by the end of it, we see Rhaenyra leaving. So it's all set up in Alicent's favor, even though she's, you know, kind of throwing fit. Like, why doesn't anyone believe me? And no one stands up for me. And then also we do see like Laris. So I think Alicent's, Alicent's deck is stacked, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, say i mean that's how, where we end the episode i think that we are going to see a little bit of a longer game with rhaenyra at some point um where she doesn't just oh no we have to leave now like i think she's got something in the fire and and we are we're not sure what yet something in the fire well done well done you oh that was really really well done <laughs> um mikey what about you who do you think was politically ahead this is uh, pretty much a disaster episode for rhaenyra you know, she it's it's bad enough that her kids all look like her sworn shield, you know, her sworn protector. Then he very publicly beats up the guy who who in, insinuates that they are, in fact, his children, all but confirming it. She then, you know, even before we get to the end of what happened at Harrenhal, she then loses him. She loses someone who is there to protect her and her children. She. She has that moment at the small council, which I, I think it might not feel like a big deal, but it's a really big deal because it, it shows the, the there's a higher bar for Rhaenyra in this world. And she's at the small council meeting and something happens to her that is natural, right? She just gave birth. It should not be a big deal, but it is a big deal. You know, and that, that just reminds you that she is a woman trying to inherit what is a man's world at this point in time in Westeros. And then it ends with her leaving for Dragonstone, which, you know, it might be smart for her personally, but for all the reasons she didn't want to leave before. And, you know, her husband kind of says, like, weren't you the one who said we need to stay here because she'll pour honey in your father's ear? She is kind of seeding the ground that is the most valuable ground in this battle, which is King's Landing. This is where the Iron Throne physically is. It's the seat of power. It's where the most people are. And it's where you kind of need to win over people. And now she's going she's gonna to go off to Dragonstone while all of her enemies stay behind and badmouth her and spread rumors. So this is a really, really bad one for Rhaenyra. I wasn't necessarily impressed with anything Allison did. She's really, really nasty in this episode. And it's tough to look at her and be like, oh, great job. But she definitely comes out ahead just because of how far behind Rhaenyra falls. Sorry. I wanted to know when, um, when she interrupts <laughs> her kid and being off the castle window um like that's that's the crazed king right is are, is Aegon like he's being set up as the crazed king that Daenerys comes from is that uh that Aegon's far in the future oh, all I'll say to... about all I'll okay. say about this Aegon is I thought this episode did a fantastic job of introducing the type of person he is Okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just say I was very I was very very happy with his introduction to the yeah. show because the show has tended to make me feel more empathy for characters I do not tend to feel empathy for. I <laughs> did not want to feel empathy for Aegon, and I don't have to. That was great. Yeah. That yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> Speaking of who don't have and aren't worthy of your uh, compassion there, let's talk about how Kristen Cole, uh, after the falling out with Rhaenyra, has really, you know, gone hard, hardline the other way, um, being now Allison's like sworn protector and everything like that, and kind of closest confidant, it seems as well. Or one of them anyway. Um, uh, Mikey, we all owe you an apology. Maybe like you were completely correct about um, Sir Kristen Cole. Like, uh, how did you how did you see uh, his his change from ten years ago to now? To me, there was no change. This is who he's always been, and this is who he always <laughs> will be. But for those of you who maybe didn't understand how correct I am to hate Sir Kristen Cole, and I will never okay. be more correct about anything in my life, um, you really see. <laughs> What a despicable, horrible, terrible, no good a-hole he really is. You know, the last time we see him, he's selfishly asking Renera to give up everything for him. He's beating somebody to death at, at a royal rehearsal dinner. And now he has completely flipped allegiance and all he does is badmouth Renera. And he is, as many people pointed out on social media, he really is the epitome of the guy who gets rejected and then completely says, oh, she's the worst person in the world because she rejected me. Dude, you're the worst person in the world. You're the worst person, not just in Westeros, but the entire known world. Okay, there are, right now, the Night King is way beyond the wall gathering his forces. You are worse than him. <laughs> he definitely has, a lot of characters in this episode have real uh, hey, get over it vibes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, <laughs> what are you going to do now? Like, she, he, I mean, he uses a very not nice word to describe her, and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't think she's done anything really to warrant that, other than he just, he just, uh, she's not going to leave Westeros with him, and that was kind of it the stopped whole... the queen in her tracks. She had to stop walking and go, "Bugga, what the hell did you just say?" <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. Uh, we will not repeat that word here. Thank you very much. We do not have a TVMA rating the way that. HBO does well. Here's what I'll say: as far as storytelling, this time jump did work. We we got it all set up and and da da da. We saw it coming. There was no there was no more additional information we needed to know that this this guy was going to switch sides, be on on Team Allison for the rest of his life, um, or until you know another opportunist opportunity showed up for him. Um, but. But I, I guess, I guess for me in this episode, he's just less of a threat, and, and that's why. And I think Allison sees that too, where where she's like, okay, I've got this secret, but God, it, 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 ten years later, the secret that Sir Kristen Cole slept with Rhaenyra, it holds no weight when, after we're considering that Sir Harwin is fathering children with Rhaenyra, you know. So, so even though she's got a pretty good night, like he's obviously, you know, coaching the kids, and he's got a, a high office at the cal- at the castle. Um, he's, he's still kind of a non-player in the game. And I, I think we really see that when she's complaining to Laris that no one is standing up for her when in, in reality, well, you've got Sir Kristen, but I think, I think the undertones there are, well, he doesn't kind he kind of doesn't matter. Like no one who matters is standing up for me. Um, my dad would, Viserys isn't, he counts. Um, so, so who is standing up for me? And, and again, this just reiterates that we, we might be we might be off the Sir Kristen train uh, now that everyone collectively hates him, Mikey. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Plenty of room. Come on, you're all welcome. <laughs> I if you were if you were in favor of him before, I don't mind. The past is the past. Let's go. Jump on the hate train. I thought he was cute. <laughs> well, he's got great hair. Well, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, he's an attractive well, man. Uh, which makes him all the more hateable. 
<laughs> Actually. <laughs> Actually. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the children. We talked about Aegon and his, uh, uh, you know, uh, solo time proclivities. Let's talk about to other children. And uh, Rhaenyra slash secret Breakbones kids are apparently little tricksters. And they uh, do a, a prank on young uh, other one. Eamon, whatever the hell his name is. Eamon, uh, yeah. They all have names that they just kind of go. You're doing it too, Kyle. You're part of the problem, other one. You're right. I am part of the problem. But <laughs> Poor guy. Well, they talked about Aegon for episodes I upon know. episodes. And then it's just like, who's this yeah, kid? You're right. Anyway, um, the prank sort of uh, where they put wings on a pig and tell him that that's his dragon uh, sort of comes, you know, full circle on them in the uh, – in the training sequence where Kristen Cole, which leads of course to the big downfall mm-hmm. shifting moments for Breakbones, Um, what, how important is that scene? Um, you know, without giving anything away, but like, what does that say about the fates of the children, uh, the blonde hairs and the dark hairs? Uh, Mikey, well, I, what do you I, think? Yeah, I thought, you know, it's funny because I think that the, the pig scene for as much as it kind of sets up Eamon's own little, mini story right he's he's the one of them that doesn't have the dragon and it's a big deal as we see later with damon and elena's daughters i think what was really interesting about that is that we see when the kids are kind of by themselves they can actually have fun together because that's that definitely came from Aegon. he is the leader of that group right he is the oldest he's he's the one who who physically towers over the rest so we see those three boys team up against aemon the way you know, a group of siblings might make fun of like uh, one of their own siblings. But then later we see it's other people who are forcing them apart. You know, they're training together and their grandfather's watching. He's like, this is the stuff. This is it. This is what we'll do. You know, you train together, you fall together, you get up together, you spend a lifetime together, except for the fact that the person training them is separating them. So we see that when they get to be kids, they can be family. They can be kids together. When the adults get involved, they push them apart. So I thought that those two scenes were really, really important in showing just how influential the adults are in the story to putting a wedge between these children who otherwise might not have one. Well, and that's certainly the case, I think, with that scene where Allison comes in to Aegon's room and just is like, you know, not he's like, I don't care if I'm king or not. Like he he truly doesn't care. He just wants to be a kid. And she grabs him by the face and says, don't you understand that if she – uh, takes the crown, you're basically dead, or I think you're probably going to be dead without actually like, you know, if they were actually family, they would have maybe discussions about these things. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a wedge being put between all these kids simply because of their parentage, um, like literally and figuratively. Uh, Amy, what did you, what did you think of that whole, all the, all the kids stuff? Yeah, I mean, I I do think, um, I mean, really what Mikey said, it is a shame that they're they're being forced to grow up. That being said, uh, they're right. The adults are correct. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no doubt there's and now they're at the forefront. Also, it, it also shows, I mean, later on you get you just get you just know the kids are not idiots. They know what's going on. Literally, um, you know, the uh, Jace is like, all right, mom, like my bastard, what's up? And you're like, yeah, dude, you know, like it's really hard to escape as much as they do want to be kids. They, they really can't. And it's the same argument that um, Rhaenyra was having as a child with her father. Like this, this is a, a tale as old as time and inheritance is, is mattering at, a, at an extremely early age. And now with the, you know, dichot- the, the dichotomy of these two 
like these two, I mean, and thank, thank God for both of them, that they're all sons, you know, but, or most of them are sons. Each one has two. Well, Renair has three now, but, um, but with those three sons, inheritance has to be thought of literally at birth, which was always, it, it's just that, yeah, that, that's what the story is about. And so it, it, it's, it sucks, but it is wake up time for, for definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't even know how, I don't even know how old Aegon is, but I mean, it's time definitely for him to actually do give a shit. And then, and then for the, for the little, the little brown haired boys, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, it does seem like they're too young, but again, they're not, it's time. Like they, they have to start thinking in this way, I think. It, it also feels weird that I know at this point, this is hundreds of years before Game of Thrones and that name doesn't necessarily have the same weight, but we are in the future. And so we know the name Joffrey is not a particularly great name for anybody to have. And so yes. it's just like the fact that he oh. kind of like saddled that baby with the name Joffrey. I was like, oh boy. But that's, it, that's I mean, I I had that like nail uh, scratching on a chalkboard uh, when when it was his uh, paramour, you know, if, if from the last episode. And it was like, yeah. oh God, uh, Joffrey. <laughs> and, then he died, <laughs> and then he dies and you're like, okay. Okay, we're safe. We're good. And we're then there's like another one. And you're like, no, another Joffrey. Yeah. <laughs> Can we all say that Laris Strong is maybe the scariest person in all of Westeros at the moment? Uh, yeah. Truly terrifying man. Uh, perfectly willing yeah. to kill his brother and his father just because, and because he thinks it'll help him out. Um, that is some. That is some cold-blooded stuff. Uh, do you think we needed a, a little more setup with him? I know he was. He featured pretty heavily in the last episode, obviously he kind of is the first one to put poison into Allison's ear about um, Rhaenyra. Right. Um, but did it seem like, well, I know Mike, you've read the book, but uh, does it, did it sort of come out of nowhere? And do you think it kind of uh, came to fruition this episode in a, in a satisfying way? I'll start with you, Amy, since you have it. I don't know if you've read the book, but Mikey's the book. I right? haven't read the book, but I definitely think we, uh, it, it, the last episode did just set, it's like, set it up and then in this episode you knocked him down because he he was he was in Allison's ear and even more so this time in a in a really huge power move um but it didn't come out of nowhere to me it was like okay this guy's dangerous he's basically Varys or Littlefinger or whoever um you know just fiddling in the background like from Game of Thrones and then and then and then he also I I he, he cuts off the guy's tongues, which to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that that's totally something. I mean, that's just so reminiscent of Varys because Varys is a eunuch and, and we're just like getting these kind of just like just offbeat men doing these like crazy sociopathic things and developing. I, I still don't know who Varys's spiders are from game of Thrones. Like we see a little, a little, um, uh, kid running around at one point but but it's like i don't know if this is where the spiders of varus begin uh but that would be a cool origin story of like if there's always been spiders in the in the in the red keep so this this might be where it starts is these like tongueless men who are unable to speak and and i i do love that the the other thing um mikey well two things i wanted to bring up just because I, or I had a question, I'm going to ask him the question about, I texted Ask that question, Amy. I'm, I, I was doing some light Googling and I couldn't find, they showed it twice or at least twice, the insignia on, on Laris's cane. 
that looked, I couldn't tell what it was, honestly. I thought, I thought, oh, maybe it's a spider, but it's not a spider. Maybe it's a bug. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. And the Googling didn't really produce and I didn't go too far deep, but I'm wondering if that's like, well, I don't, I, I don't know what it is actually, but I, I, in my, I thought it was like, oh, it's the little bees or, or he's like developing a hive of, of critters that go around and tell him secrets or something. But I, I, I might be reading too much into it. Do you know what that is? Well, the fact that you thought it was a bug and I, you know, I am always so interested in the, uh, the history that I don't, sometimes I tend to miss like the, the small details, like what is on the top of his cane. But I did notice that one of the, the killers he sent to Harrenhal was wearing that little bug um, pin. So that makes me think that that is, that was what is on the top of his cane. And I'm sure we'll have the B roll over this to show everybody if we're right or wrong. Yeah. Um, you are correct. But, you know, yeah. So everyone, you, right now, you already know if I'm right or wrong, but the key was that we did see the bug on one of the killers, um, which certainly seemed to be an indication that they were working for Laris, yeah. which, if anything, is more important going forward than it maybe it was in the moment. Um, as for Laris versus the book, you know, for as much as I wish we knew a little bit more about the origins of Rhaenyra and Harwin's story, I love that we don't have a lot to go on with Laris yet. I like my villains to be mysterious. I don't need to know their backstory. I don't need to know their motivations. Heath Ledger's Joker, I don't need to know where he comes from. I just enjoy what he does. Uh, but I was I was shocked in a good way. So, you know, in the in Fire and Blood, Harwin and his father, who is the hand of the king at the time, they die in a fire at Harrenhal. And Fire and Blood, which is told, um, it's told from one maester using multiple primary sources who aren't reliable. Nobody knows what caused the fire at Harrenhal. Some people think it was Sir Corlys Valerian trying to kill the man who was the real father to his son's children. Some people think it was Daemon Targaryen who was trying to eliminate a suitor to Rhaenyra. Um, some people think it was King Viserys himself. And other people think it's Harrenhal itself, which is considered to be a cursed place, which, you know, this, this was discussed in the episode. The only candidate I never thought was real was Laris Clubfoot himself. There are a few people who thought Laris did it because he wanted to become Lord of Harrenhal. You know, it's not a great position to be a second son in Westeros, which the show has also addressed previously. I just didn't think it was him because there was no reason for it. You know, his father's the hand of the king. His father never neglected him. He brought him to court all these years. You know, he was right there in King's Landing with him. And we know how important family is in Westeros because it's often the only thing you can rely on. You know, alliances come and go. That's why you see people try to wed into other families because they know that that's much stronger than bending a knee, you know, and that's why they, they, they send hostages of their children because it's the only thing that can keep people in line. So the fact that Laris Strong was the one who killed his father and brother and not for Harrenhal, but because he has grander plans for himself, that was stunning. And it's stunning in the best way. And I really loved it. And, you know, I, I, I said last week, we're no longer really just doing the actual story. You know, like, it's not like this show is addressing the, the, the places in the book where we have competing versions. This is an adaptation. So, you know, if we got George R. R. Martin on the, on the lie detector test, he might tell us that's not what he envisioned. It doesn't matter. It's a TV show and it's a great, great uh, way to make it more engaging. And it makes him, you know, this great secret villain who is already now, I think you take all the villains from game of Thrones. He's right up there. He's right up there. Cause like, and I said, this to nerdist.com this week, even Baelish didn't murder his own father to get ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely true. And I thought that that was like 
the, it, it, you see that moment of realization on Allison's face where she like, she's like, I didn't want this. I was just kind of saying, I wish people were on my side and all this stuff. And like, uh, now he has that over her. He can, you know, if she ever tries to do anything, he could just be like, she told me to. And like, what are you going to do? Like, so the fact that he now has that over her and absolutely knows it. And also like use the fact that his father was one of my favorite characters. I have to say, because he was so upstanding and was so level headed all the time, which would, which made him the perfect hand of the King. And the fact that he wanted to resign, but could not um, because Viserys refused to accept that that is what led to his own downfall. Like his own, um, you know, I think Viserys like indirectly is, is the reason for all of this happening because he's just so like, I will not see the truth. I will not see things happening. And Laris just kind of swooped in and um, took advantage thereof. It also, it also falls in line with the, like the theme of, of Song of Ice and Fire in in Game of Thrones. What uh, that, that actually, you know, you see a lot of, um, and other stories, hubris is people's downfall. But in this land, being too rule followery, noble, honorable—those are the things that actually, like, like you do have to play the game of Thrones. And if you are too honorable and you are too, like, wait, hold on, this is, you know, this is my beliefs, and I'm a good man. Like that will kill you. That will c- kill you sooner than anything. Uh, we definitely have to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with Damon and the choice he has to make with Lana and the choice Viserys made with Emma. He chose not to do the thing that his brother did. And this, the result is the same. Um, does the choice in this instance matter? Did it make you think differently about Damon? Um, you know, I, I, I like Damon just cause he's Matt Smith and he's one of, you know, my favorite doctor, but um, the character <laughs> I think kind of comes out of this episode looking the least uh, unscrupulous, which is very surprising to me given how Damon was in the first bunch of episodes. What did you think of uh, that whole storyline and that ending of uh, Lena there, uh, Amy? Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I, when it first started, I was like, damn, we're getting two births in one episode. Um, and then, and then, yeah, you, you learn that there, it's just, it's just a wild parallel between, um, between Damon and Viserys, his brother from earlier, uh, in having to decide that if his wife and child, if he, if he was going to risk either of them or both of them. And, and it, you do get a sense. I mean, he did father some children with her. So, and there is a sense that, you know, as much as he knows he's in power, there's a little bit like as, as much as as much as Damon could even possibly go go, he does care for her at least a little bit. And it, this wasn't easy for him. I think I think you know killing his wife was an easy decision for him earlier, and this wasn't easy. And he he just kind of walked out and kind of didn't make a decision, which led Lena to make her own decision. Um, but even before that, you know, she's standing up to him, saying her piece um, while he's, you know, in his books. And it, it, it's just a different relationship. So I you kind of get the sense of like, well, someone did change him, maybe maybe not much, but just a little bit. And uh, and at the end of the day, I, I did think what was the most interesting was that he didn't make a decision at all. Like he we didn't see him. I don't think he did. He just kind of was like, la, 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 this is. Yeah, happening. he was definitely not walking very fast to get out to her. Yeah, you know, by and, the dragon, so. and I do, and uh, so in in line with that, the most important thing is that Lena, in this instance, as far as all of the other women in Damon's life, Lena made her own decision, uh, and that's that's cool for the Damon character, I think. 
Uh, Mikey, what did you think about Damon? Also, uh, Dragonfire. How come it burns Lena? Uh, some people might be wondering why did Daenerys escape unscathed? Daenerys is a unicorn. She is the only Targaryen who is impervious to fire. It is not a skill, a, a power, a magic ability. It is a magic ability that anybody else in her family has. They might be, uh, they might have a higher tolerance for heat, which is why, you know, at one point I think we saw Viserys kind of putting his hand over candle flames without problem. But she is the only Targaryen in history we know of who is impervious to flames. So all the other Targaryens can burn up. Uh, Game of Thrones didn't do a great job of explaining this, but it did show long before we knew for certain he was a Targaryen. Jon Snow burned his hand early on in the show. So that is not something you should expect from other Targaryens. As for the scene, you know, the, uh, everything with Damon kind of showed that he's lost. He's lost. He he doesn't feel like he has a home. You know, he even says, like, Westeros isn't really our home. We're Valerians. We have no home anymore, which I think is such a great line because – as much as they rule for three centuries and as much as they are really in control, especially when they have their dragons, the Targaryens are outsiders in Westeros. These are kingdoms and families that have been around for thousands of years. People that trace back their lineage to the first men of the realm. Uh, the fact that Damon is so eager to not go back, to just take this kind of lazy life where he flies around his dragon, burns some ships and gets all the gold. And she points it out, you know, this is not who you are. This is a big moment for him. I, I, I know I, another example of, oh, we kill off a female character to kind of see what it does for the guy. That's a bummer. But everything even before that kind of set up Damon for a really interesting place from where he came from to where he is to where he's going to go. So I did like that. Even if uh, let's let's see if we can just start telling some stories without killing off all the wives every time. <laughs> Through childbirth. Yes. <laughs> we know it's bad. <laughs> it's they don't have epidurals back then. We get it. It's yeah, not a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that both this episode ends with Damon sort of drifting, and also Rhaenyra going back to to Dragonstone, sort of like both of them kind of ceding their kind of power, as it were. And obviously, Viserys is a walking corpse. <laughs> um, he's. Mm -hmm. uh, on his way out, there's even a rat hanging out with him. I was wondering what the symbolism of the rat was, but like, I think it's just waiting. They're waiting around. <laughs> it's like a vulture. Like he's, he's basically rotting from the inside out. Um, we talked about the rats last week. Dan, Dan has a thing about rats. And uh, the Dan Casey me. Memorial rat every week. <laughs> Dan, the, I, if, if you've been watching this show every week with us talking about the rats, you're getting a little extra something every time they show up because as soon as that rat showed up, I started laughing thinking about Dan just yelling at the TV, not another rat! No more rats! We get the rats! We get it! Uh, it's pretty... I mean, it's it could not be more on the nose. So I'm I'm glad that uh, they've, they're continuing that, that trend. Um, but it does sort of leave, you know, we know that eventually, uh, based on trailers and things like that, that Damon and Rhaenyra team up again at some point. Um, and yeah, it's like, you gotta, it, this is the part of the story where you gotta leave in order to come back and, uh, mm -hmm. cause some havoc. And we know in the next time trailer, which uh, we can get into in a moment, but like there's a confrontation or a few confrontations to be had before we wrap up. I want to ask everybody who their MVP of the episode was. Let's start with you, Mikey. Who was the MVP for you? Uh, did you ask for LVP? Is it, did you want me to name Sir Kristen Cole for the third straight week as the LVP? Is that what you said? Because uh, definitely I do not. I do not wish this. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, MVP. Uh, I hate to say it, but if we're just if we're judging it on who 
who kind of came out on top. Uh, Lara Strong. I mean, he, he, he did the unthinkable and he put the queen of the realm in deck to him. He secured his position in her inner circle. He's put all of his chips into the middle and he's, he's betting on her. Uh, I don't like to give it to him, but I think that's probably the person who, who comes out on top the most in this episode. So yeah, the, the club foot. I mean, he is the only out and out winner in, I think in this episode, like he, he definitely, he had a plan. He did that plan and now he is reaping the rewards, I guess, or we'll, we'll see if that's the, that's the case. Amy, who was your MVP? Um, yeah, it's definitely Laris, but in order to say, just have a different, well, he also ended the episode like that. He, his was the last scene. His was the last line. And it just, it, it takes a lot to come away from that. Cause he's like, you'll repay me when it, the time is right or something like that. And it just, the way that that ended was just like, Oh, it's just a big mic drop moment. Um, but in order to just have a different conversation, I'm going to throw in there, Jace, little Jace figured it out too young to figure it out. Like, why would he know this? But, but I'm, I'm actually hoping that, as I said before, the kids do need to step up and start playing the game. He's, he's on the ladder. Like it's, it's a lo- low point on the ladder, but he's at least aware and might be making some own, de- his own decisions soon. So that'd be cool. Yeah. I, I think um, I'm going to give my MVP award. I mean, there's a few candidates, even though they weren't winners, I think they're showing the resilience of Rhaenyra. Um, even, you know, she is basically yeah. the laughing stock of the court uh, in a lot of ways. But the fact that she refuses to allow that to kind of change her spirit, I think is really, uh, it, it was a good, especially for the time jump when we get a new actor, like to see that and just be like, okay, that's still the same character, older, maybe wiser, but definitely um, still just as you know, headstrong and um, won't give up as before. And then the other one, of course, is... Uh, uh, everyone's good friend, Sir Carl, with a Q, who has the stupidest name in all of Westeros. <laughs> who even is that person? That's uh, that's uh, Lainor's new boy, boy, boy toy. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, here's what I'll say, too. Last episode, we got this this kind of like, this ally scene where everyone's like, let's be queer, let's be who we are. It's Everything's good. And And in that scene, I'm like, Y'all, 100 or 200 years ago in Game of Thrones was a much better time to be this. But then that's just the kids before they realize what state what stakes are at play. And now they've grown up, and it's like, no, it's the same as it's the same as ever. It's the same as ever. Um, yeah. Even though even though Rhaenyra is did allow him to take to take his his Carl with him. So <laughs> nice. Everyone deserves a Carl. We all know this. <laughs> Keep him we in your pocket. Yeah. Um, Mikey, were there any Easter eggs that you picked up on that we should have picked up on? So uh, they named Vermax. That's Jace's little dragon who looks like a, a velociraptor. Uh, we saw Vagar. He, by the he, way, he eats goats just like they do in Jurassic Park. Yeah. It was that, like that felt intentional. That felt intentional. <laughs> I think that was a little little Easter egg. Um, we saw Vagar, who is the biggest dragon in the world right now. He's not the biggest dragon ever. That was Balerion, but he's a big boy. Uh, the other one that we saw, the one that scared Eamon when he went down into the dragon pit, that was most likely Dreamfire. Uh, I won't reveal in case it's a, a spoiler. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Sometimes they just all of a sudden, like, you know, Lanor was riding sea smoke. So, um, but Dreamfire does belong to somebody. Uh, and I, that's pretty much the only dragon I think it could be that he ran into. 
the other thing is that canonically, King Viserys is 43 years old in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Cano- now, now, game, yeah. Now, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, they play around with uh, ages a lot because of, you know, a lot of the times kids, they don't want them to be too young for some of these uh, adult situations they're in. But canonically, Viserys, who is a, a, a rotting corpse in this episode, is only 43 years old. And it's a hard 43. It's a hard 43. That's what happens oh. when you try to placate everybody and never make a decision, which we continue to see is absolutely the worst thing he could do. You know, like he, he should just force he should just force that marriage that Rhaenyra suggested if he wants to, to cut off war. But he doesn't because he doesn't want to displease his wife. He never wants to displease anybody. Yeah. And all he's doing is making everybody angry. So. Oh, and uh, Harren Hall is cursed. Harren Hall is cursed. If you're curious, Harren Hall is cursed. Um, at least that's what people think. Everybody who takes over that castle meets a bad ending. This was true on Game of Thrones. It was created by Harren the Black of House Hor. He was the last uh, king of the the Iron Islands and the uh, rivers. Long before the Tullys were in charge of that, he built. 40 years. He took 40 years to build Harren Hall. He had slave labor, basically, you know, prisoners. He had blood put into the mortar when they made it. And the day he moved in, Aegon Targaryen showed up and burned him and his sons and ended the line. And ever since then, it's been this massive ruin. It's it's so big, you can't even believe it. It's so much bigger than everything else. That's why people still want it. But it's cursed. Everybody goes and dies. So don't don't claim Harren Hall as your own. That's my advice to you. I know it looks good. Turn it down. It's quite a big castle. <laughs> it's very big. Um, all right. Well, last last up, uh, you know, parting thoughts on this episode uh, and predictions for the rest of the season. We're way through the season of House of the Dragon. Um, what uh, what what do you think of the season so far, and what do you think is uh, on the way, Amy? I'm just so happy that this exists. This is, I didn't know, you know, when Game of Thrones, they were having spinoffs and then they wrote 10 different spinoffs and then they were going to choose only one. I, I, I just had no idea what was going to happen and what they were going to choose. But I am absolutely thrilled that this is what we as audience members are getting. It, it scratches an itch that I've needed for a long time. I needed scratch for a long time. And um, I, I'm just, I'm just full on enjoying it. Every Sunday night is, is a, a, a GD tree, a, a GDT um, a, a damn treat um, is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for spelling that out to. for all of us who. Uh, it's a treat. Didn't know anything about but, initials. Yes, and the as far as future goes, um, like I, I've said, I said this before, but I am sincerely hoping that uh, Rhaenyra, her leaving is actually a calculated plan to do something else. You, uh, and and we do see that Damon's involved. So. As far as you know, calculating snakes, we've got Laris in one corner, very terrifying. But I don't think I don't think w- with Rhaenyra and Damon, neither of them are duds when they actually have ambition. And we've seen that Damon may not have ambition or has given up. But if that's if that's whispered back into his ear, I think we're going to see some some real nasty stuff from him and Rhaenyra that 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 could be really good. So I'm hoping that's where it goes. I'm hoping that it's like this kind of. A heist for the throne, or, or at least some sub, subterfuge. Uh, I think Viserys is going to... I Here's my prediction. I think Viserys is going to survive up until the last episode. I think he's not going anywhere, um, as much as as much as much it looks like he's just going to, uh, I don't know, breathe one bad breath and die, but uh, I think he's going <laughs> to survive. And then I do hope that the, the children, especially Jace, um, starts, starts getting involved a little bit into the Game of Thrones. I, I don't actually think that will happen, but 
I, I think it would be fun to see like a kid that aware going, all right, what do I do in this plan and start lying and, and conniving with everyone else? Mikey. There are things I, I can't talk about because we don't want to spoil the future. But what I can say. Am I right? You're enjoying. I, I can't. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. I, there are things <laughs> I cannot say. But what I can tell you is if you are enjoying this show, I highly, highly recommend to at least do a rewatch with the subtitles on. Because there are little single lines of dialogue that are so good. And so telling, you know, the, this entire show is basically dramatic irony because we know how it ends, right? So they have the luxury of, of dropping in these little nuggets. Um, I can't tell you why it's a big deal, but there are a couple scenes I would definitely go back and, and rewatch with the subtitles on and really focus on, on things that you might not think are important. When they're walking up the stairs, when Allison is with her daughter, um, Make sure that you are if, – if you're into the show and if you're watching us talk about the show, I'm going to bet you're into it. There is a lot of really good stuff you're only going to pick up on on a second watch, and I would highly, highly recommend putting on the subtitles. There are even things sometimes I can't hear or I don't necessarily notice until I see it in print. So that would be my recommendation to you. That way when things do happen in the future, you'll be like you'll, – you'll know. You'll, you'll know, oh, they were oh, – oh, okay. Also, next week's going to be amazing, I think, based on what the preview looks like. I'm very excited for next week. Well, it, that's a really good point because I went back and watched the very first episode again um, with the subtitles on. And there's, you might have missed it, but there's a part where uh, Viscera says, I am never going to become a rotting corpse and Emma's going to live really uh, until a ripe old age. Um, and that was very quickly proven wrong. Um, dramatic didn't seem irony. important at the time. Didn't, it didn't. Seem We just thought it was time. fine, but no, that's, that's how it works. All right, folks. Well, that's it. That's all the time we have. Uh, we'll be time skipping to the next week when we return for another breakdown of House of the Dragon. But if you want to dive even deeper into this episode, in the meantime, we, and by we, I mean Mikey, have got you covered over on Nerdist.com. Thank you all again. <laughs> Our amazing guests, Amy Vorpal, where can people find you online should they choose to do so? Oh, yes. If you choose to find me, um, I'm at Vorpal Sword, V-O-R-P-A-H-L Sword on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. And Mikey, what about you? If you want to talk about how much you hate Sir Kristen Cole or have any questions, you can find me on Twitter at Burger Mike. And you can also find me writing about the show, keeping track of all the dragons, all the characters, all the new houses at the greatest website anybody ever invented, the one that lets me write about this show for a living, Nerdist.com. <laughs> that is a very good plug. Thank you very much, Mikey, for doing our job for us. Um, anyway, folks, thank you all uh, very much. In the meantime, what did you think of this episode? What was your favorite moment? Let us know in the comments. Dan Casey will probably be back from his trip to Heron Hall next week, but if not, I'll be back. We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> for more of the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned right here to Nerdist.com. <laughs>